Bless the Lord. Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Galatians? Galatians chapter 6. Singing about the cross, singing about the blood. There's nothing like it. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12 to 16 we'll read for our reading this evening. It's a very simple message. But I trust one that will encourage, bless, instruct, even convict, or whatever God wants to do with it. Galatians 6 and verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, but that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. Keep your Bible open there. We will be referring to it, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for everyone that you've brought into this house this evening. We thank you for the, the full house this morning. And we ask you again now, Lord, as this goodly crowd that's here tonight, that you will speak to every heart, to every life, that you speak to everyone. Lord, that we would all receive something from being around the cross that we would see the Lamb of God in you, that we would see him afresh, even in the oldness of our faith. Sometimes we lose sight of the wonderful cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, tonight that you would draw us all closer again, closer to the cross, closer to Christ, and let us see him bleeding and dying for our sin. Let us realize, Father, that futility of all things, that we can glory in none other and in nothing else but Christ and his cross work. Glorify your Son. Glorify your name. For Jesus' sake I ask it. Amen. Tonight we want to speak on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 12 of our reading. It says at the end of the verse, the cross of Christ. Verse 14 speaks of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here mentions the cross twice in this short reading of some four verses. But notice this. The people who are coming to Christ are being told a false gospel. They're being told something that the Lord has never expected of the new covenant believer. And the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is placed in, if you want, juxtaposition, or in other words, on the other end of the scale, or in other words, opposite ends to what these men are teaching. The show of circumcision would be upon the uncircumcision. In other words, the Galatians who were uncircumcised, these 
uh, Christians who came from uh, Judaism, these Judaizers that came still holding on to the religiosity of their faith, still saying they needed to be circumcised. We even read in the book of Acts how even Paul withstood Peter to his face and all the times when Peter ministered mostly to his Jewish brethren. But we notice here that Paul is writing for a false gospel had come in to the church of Galatia. These men were looking that they would bring them under the law when they were saved by grace. And so by showing that they had come under the law, they were telling these Christians, look, if you want to show your Christianity and you want to show how much you're trusting in this new Christ that you've found, then what you must do is you must come and be circumcised in the foreskin of your flesh. And then you're showing how zealous you are, how obedient you are. You're showing what you really mean by coming to Christ. You're willing to do anything. Brothers and sisters, let's be careful for sometimes when we meet such people coming to Christ, they would want to bind us with sacrifices of other things. They would want to bind us with religiosity and with ritual. They want to bring us onto a law that Christ has set us free from. They want to bring us into bondage again. What these men were doing is they were saying, you want to show your flesh and the works of your flesh. Circumcise yourself and you're cutting away the flesh. Circumcise yourself and you're discarding that flesh to show you want to live in the spirit. And this is bringing them a false gospel away from the salvation of grace through faith in Christ alone. So Paul mentions it here in our reading. He says in verse 12, And as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Another reason they're coming here, they're saying, listen, the Judaizers, they weren't being bothered too much by the Romans. They were under submission. They weren't being bothered too much by the Romans, but the new found sect called the Christians, the followers of the way even, they were following this man Christ who claimed to be the king, who people claimed him to be Lord and took away the very uh, titles of Caesar himself. They hated the Christian. And so they were saying, you know, if you get circumcised, the Romans will think you're Judaizers. Brothers and sisters, how much must the church become uh, like a foreign religion? How much must the church become like the world before it's accepted by the world? Brothers and sisters, we don't want to be accepted by the world. We want to be accepted by Almighty God. We want to be seen right in the eyes of Christ and of Christ alone. People don't like you. Well, then they've got a problem and not you. If people don't want you, they have a problem and not yourself. You take your stand for Christ wherever you are. They may say, and you hear it, you hear it in news uh, broadcasts and you hear it on radio shows and you'll hear it everywhere you go. Well, we need to not upset the, uh, the, the apple cart too much. We need not really try and offend people too much. We're not out to offend, but the gospel does offend. And when the truth of the gospel is preached, people are going to be offended. 
And especially in a world of politically correct uh, 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 liberalism, we're going to find that this Marxist ideology that they call free thinking and liberalism, that it is going to encroach more and more on the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to encroach on the cross and the things of the cross that no longer, as I said, I think it was last week, are many places preaching on the cross, nor do they want to make mention of the blood of the Lamb. That Christ is the only way to the Father but rather they want to ecumenize to bring every faith together. It doesn't matter what they, tell, they said here to these Galatians. Paul was straight in, and Paul says this, your circumcision of the flesh will avail nothing. Your fleshly works, your fleshly deeds, who you are avails nothing. Nor uncircumcision, because your uncircumcision avails nothing. He says it's faith in Christ, trusting in the cross of Christ, and in Christ and Christ alone. Notice this, he says, these men want to make you like a trophy for them. They want to make you like a badge of their honor. They want to place you on their role. So in other words, to say, we have X, Y, and Z coming to us, and look, they are under submission to us and under to the law of God. Here, Paul marches straight in and says, now, understand, church, there is only one head of the church, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that, brother, sister. There's only one head of the church, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pope in Rome is not the head of the church. The Queen Elizabeth on the throne is not the head of the church. They are heads of their own particular denominations. Christ is the head of the church, his body, the living organism of men and women saved by grace. And Paul comes straight in here to say that Christ and Christ alone is the head of the church. He says they want to make a fair show in the flesh of you. They want to hold you up and say, look at the trophy that I have. There's a, a telltale sign here in First Samuel chapter 18 about something like this. And Saul, who was the people's choice of the, the first king, if you want, in Israel, but he wasn't God's choice. Nevertheless, Saul in, in 1 Samuel chapter 18 says, and this is to try and entrap David, because he was jealous of David and he hated David. David wanted to marry Saul's daughter, Michael. And Michael says, Father, I want to marry this man. And Saul comes and says, whoever goes to the Philistine camp and whoever brings me back 100 foreskins from the Philistines, he, he says, he will marry my daughter. In other words, he would become the son-in-law of the king of Israel. Well, you see, to make a fair show of the flesh, 1 Samuel 18, David was poor. He was a shepherd boy. David was unworthy, as it were, and wanted to impress his future, wanted to be father-in-law. He wanted to make a show of himself, and David upped and went to the Philistine camp. Saul's rubbing his hands, thinking, we've got him. He's fell for the bait. Oh, such a devil that runs about today, brother. Such a devil runs about today, sister, that says, she's fell for the bait. He's fell for the bait. We've got them now. He's in my grip. He's in my grasp. We're going to destroy him. We're going to kill him. We're going to do desperate things to him or to her. And so the devil today is like Saul of the past here, where he sends him out. He says, go get these Philistines and bring back 100 of the Philistines' foreskins. And he brought back 200 just to show how good he was in the flesh. Such pomp and such ceremony from David. Such pomp and ceremony from the chosen of the Lord. 
A man chosen, a man after God's own heart. David should have waited. It was a fair show in the flesh. And David should have waited on the call of God. Did David not, was he not called from the the sheepfold looking after Jesse's sheep? Did Samuel the prophet not go? And the Lord said to all those brothers, the seven that went past him, not this, not this, not this, not this, right up through the seven of them, and asked, is there another one? And Jesse says, there's only young David out away out there in the sheepfold. Everyone's forgotten about him. He doesn't really count. He's only a wee stripling of a boy. Who would want him? Brother, sister, God wanted him. And God called him from the sheepfold and anointed him by Samuel the prophet. If he had have waited on the Lord's timing, if he had have taken his stand against Saul, he could have said, I have been anointed with the horn of oil from the Lord. The Lord's word, his prophetic utterance is over me and his word is in my heart. I commune with him every single day when I'm out with the sheep and he guides me. He has enabled me to slay a lion and he's enabled me to slay a bear. I am waiting on him. And no matter what king is there, no matter the opposition, no matter the man, no matter the woman, no matter the size of the demon, nor the devil himself will not stand against the calling and will not and cannot stand against what God has for you, brother. Do not go for a fair show in the flesh. Don't go even after a pound of flesh if you're angry or bitter against a brother or sister, but rather wait upon the Lord and see what he does to bring things together and to bring it to pass. A fair show in the flesh is so easy for the human being to enter into. Fair show in the flesh. Let's see, well, who can be the best. Let's see who has the biggest church. Let's see who has uh, the, 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 the greatest worship team. Let us see who has the best of preachers in the churches. Let's see who has the, the best children's ministry. Let's see who has the best uh, youth ministry. Friends, it is not about competition. It's not about first shows in the flesh. It's about serving Christ where you are and the calling that he has placed you in and being grounded in his service. Here, here is the first show in the flesh and these men were coming in and there's men who make a first show in the flesh and they like to walk about and they're dressed to the nines and in their garb. I have a nice suit on. Maybe that's the first show in the flesh. I need to come in with my sandals next time, do I? My leather and girdle. Coming with their day-going fish mitre hats. The fish god, that's what those hats are. Walking around with pomp and ceremony. And God never called the church to it. God never called the church to it. But rather the church moved itself into it. Here David made a fair show in the flesh. Paul saw the deception. Paul saw the motive was a selfish motive of these men. They wanted these uncircumcised Galatians to be worn as a badge of their own achievement. Here God had already made an oath to David also, and David should have waited on God. Listen, David could have said in Psalms, as he said in Psalm 75 and verse 6, you know, uh, hindsight's a marvelous thing. We would all love hindsight. But the wonderful thing about David is, is that David's humanness shows how he made mistakes. David's humanness shows how he fell many times, yet the grace of God kept him going on. How the call of God was without repentance. 
How God kept his covenant with him even when David sinned grievously before him. And God still loved him through it all in order to bring David into the place where God had ordained for David to be. Psalm 75 and verse 6, David cries, Promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Verse 7, But God is the judge. He putteth one down one and setteth up another. David, if you had awaited, you'd have saved yourself a lot of heartache. And do you know later on, it was the same wife whom he ended up marrying. He had her taken off him by Saul, and he went after that, and he, he slew a few men, and he called his wife back, and she became his wife again. And when Israel were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel after all their defeats at the hands of the Philistines, whom David slew before, they were being defeated. Even at that time when David realized to bring it on in the shoulders and in the shoulders of the priests and the anointing of God was upon it and David stripped himself in front of everyone to a little loincloth and he spun round and round in circles covered in blood. The blood was on the ground. Every six to eight feet there was an animal slain. Another six to eight feet, there was another animal slain. Another six to eight feet, there was another animal slain. Another six to eight feet, there was another animal slain. The whole way, the whole road into Jerusalem, there was blood on the left hand, there was blood on the right. He walked through the blood. The blood was over his feet. It was up his garments. It was spliced everywhere. There was blood all over the place. He was jumping in the blood. He was spinning around and around and a linen ephod, and not alone with all the people cheering, and the blood must have been everywhere. Think of it. Liters and gallons and gallons of blood from thousands of animals. Everywhere down through Jerusalem, the streets, the walls were lined with blood. Here is a picture of the coming of Christ and dying on the cross. And brothers and sisters, you and I are covered in the blood You and I are walking every day in the blood. You and I every day, we can dance because of the blood. We can live because of the blood. We can trust in the blood. It's all because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. That's why Paul says, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here was the blood, the blood, the blood. A bloody gospel a bloody preacher, and a bloody cross. That's what we need in the church again today. We need the blood to be preached. We need the blood of the Lamb to be taught. We need to apply the blood to our hearts and apply the blood to our lives and apply the blood to our families and apply the blood to our homes on the doorposts and upon the door lintels. By faith, Lord, we're trusting in the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. David, He danced in the blood. He was covered in the blood. (laughs) Oh, brothers and sisters, if that's not something for you to rejoice in tonight, I wonder how much do we value the blood? And it was the same wife that he strived so hard for in the flesh who saw him dancing in the blood, who saw him burning around. I'm not going to do it in case I slide. My shoes are slippy in this carpet here. And he's burning round and burning round in his linen ephod. That's all he had on. And she came and he came in. She called him a fool. In other words, she said, as we'd say in Northern Ireland, you're an old idiot. Look at you, you're an old idiot. Look at you. You're an idiot. You're an old idiot. Brothers and sisters, let them say what they want. 
Because when I jump around and when I act the allegiant, I'm acting it before God because I'm covered in the blood. I'm just glad of his anointing. I rejoice in his presence that he's with me every day. And every day I'm covered in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Notice this. These men were wanting to make a first show in the flesh. Your own blood. Brothers and sisters, no matter the pomp, the ceremony, the literal, whatever it may be, there is nothing that you can do. There's no first showing in the flesh. It's all by the blood of the Lamb. God said to David, I raise you up. He should have waited. God has told you many things, sister. God has said to you things, brother. And God has spoken to you in his word. And God has promised us salvation. God has said he's bringing us into his kingdom. God has told us he's returning again in his son. We are told all of these things and we trust him every day. And we look for him and we wait for him because he's coming and his word faileth not. Here we must trust in him for he is the one who putteth down and he setteth up another. Paul says, Galatians, we don't need to make a fair show in the flesh. Jesus has done it all for us. Brother, sister, you don't need to make a fair show in the flesh. Jesus has done it all for you. You don't need to do the, the, uh, the alms and the deeds. And it's good to do good works after you're saved. For your works will not uh, bring or merit salvation, but because we're saved, we do good works. Our works are show our faith in Christ. But we need not do it for our salvation, for Jesus has done it all for us. Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. He paid it all, and he paid it for you, and he paid it for me. God's free gift, God's freeness of love for us. Paul saying, a first show in the flesh is man glorying in himself. A first show in the flesh is man glorying in himself, glorying in his doing and on his own merit. But Galatians chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, listen to what it says. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Look, Paul's saying, see those men? They can't even keep the law themselves. Do you see those men? They're just sinners themselves. They look down their nose at you and they put on the ceremony with you. And he says they're sinners themselves. That's all they are. They're flesh and blood. He says, but when we come to Christ, it's different. These men have nothing to glory in. They want to glory in your flesh. Verse 14, he says, but God forbid. You know the word, the term God forbid? You know what it goes like? This means never let it be so said. Never let it be so said. God forbid. Or as you and I would say again in Northern Ireland, get away out that way. That's what it means. That's the term. It's a dialect. And it's strong. It's emphasized. It's exclaimed. And he says, but God forbid. Paul saying that I should glory. Saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. To Paul, you see, the world was dead to him, and he was dead to the world. The world had no call on Paul. The world had no power over Paul. The world was completely dead to Paul, and Paul, as far as the world existed, 
didn't exist. It's as if the world didn't exist and as if to the world Paul didn't exist. It's as if Paul was walking around and there was no world and there was no Paul. Yet Paul was alive. Yet Paul was living. Yet the world was existing. He says, I'm living for Christ and the power of his cross. I'm living for Christ and for Christ alone. Notice what he says here. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says there's no show in the flesh only in Christ and in Christ alone. Nothing but the cross. Nowhere but the cross. When Paul says of the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross, he means the sacrifice made on the cross of that altar of wood. The giving of the Son of God the laying down of the lamb, the giving of his own life and his own body. Paul says, that's what I'm trusting in for my full salvation. Is there any wonder in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4? Let's read Galatians 1. I'll tell you what, let's just read a few verses here. Verse 4, he says of the Lord Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Jesus gave himself for your sin in order that he might deliver you from this present evil world. Paul says, see this world system of things. See this world even from the the things we're seeing and the evil that's evil to the eye, but the evil that we even think is good. He says, see even that evil? God has paid for your sins in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, and because he found that ransom, he has delivered you from this present evil world world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Notice, then he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul says, you're you're astounding me and astonishing me that after you've received the grace of God, and you've realized I can't be saved by what I am. I can't be saved by what I do. I can't be saved by going to church. I can't be saved by being a Galatian. I can't be saved by being an Israelite. I can't be seen by whatever it is. He says, and even though you're seeing all of this, he says, you're looking at it. He says, and God came and he dropped right into your life. He says, and now men are coming and perverting this gospel. And they're telling you how to live. And they're telling you what to do. And they're telling you about you have to do this and you must do that to merit the grace of God and salvation. Paul says, I am amazed and I marvel at you that you're so soon removed from it. You're so soon removed from it. Oh, how our churches have been removed. How our nation has been removed from this gospel. How the churches have been removed to a state of a state of, of trying to please the world which should be dead to them. Paul says this world, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't exist. And as far as the world's concerned, I don't exist. Brothers and sisters, you know why I don't get invites to go to parties? Do you know why I don't get invites to go to parties? Because as far as they're concerned, I don't exist. They wouldn't even think of asking me. Because I would say, I'm not off that world. That's dead to me. Christ delivered me from this evil world. 
Notice what he says here. I marvel that you're so soon removed from, this, from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel. Pervert the gospel. See the word pervert here? It's, it means to transform into something of an opposite character. Let me tell you again, pervert. It means to transform into something of an opposite character. Paul's saying, do you see the character of God's grace? Do you see the character of the cross? Do you see the character of the blood that Jesus shed? Do you see the character of his cries when he cried, it is finished? Do you see the character of the nails in, the, in his hands and in his feet and the thorns in his, on his brow and the lashes upon his back? Do you see the character of all of his wounds, the spear that went into his side and what it meant for us? He says, they are perverting it. They're perverting it. They are transforming it into something of an opposite character. The cross no longer is the cross. The blood no longer is the blood. Anything but the cross of Christ. Anything but the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus. Anything but His finished work on the cross. Anything but His atoning sacrifice. Anything but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is another gospel. Which is not another gospel. It's a perverted gospel. It's a gospel that is transformed into something of an opposite character. See, mankind wants to pervert the gospel to suit their own perverted ways. The world is full of perverts. Man wants to pervert God's word to mean what it does not mean. To take away from what it originally taught and said into something they want in order to suit their own perverted mind. To turn it into something opposite. You'll hear it all over the place on radio broadcast. Mankind wants to pervert the cross work of Christ to fit their perverted minds and hearts And so they transform in their own way, in their own minds, the cross work of Christ into something of an opposite character to what it really is. This cross we speak about, I'm speaking of the cross work of Christ. This Lord Jesus Christ and his cross, this cross work of the Lamb of God, this cross with the Son of God hanging and bleeding and dying on it for us, This crosswork is not a piece of jewelry to be hung around the neck. It is not something that's to be a figment of imagination. This is not something to tell a little story with. This is not something to take lightly. But this is Almighty God in flesh giving His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that He would bleed and die. Now you tell me, what's shown the flesh can match it? What's shown the flesh can match the crosswork of Christ? What's shown the flesh can equal it or compared unto it because Christ is God bleeding on my behalf and burying my sin away in his own body on the tree and yours too. It becomes, there is also those who have it become a Christless gospel, a Christless salvation, a Christless lifestyle, a Christless hope, 
on a Christless heaven? What do you mean a Christless heaven? Sure, every pop star now is a Christian, aren't they? They come up to get their trophies, and first of all, they want to thank God. They don't even know him. If they knew him, they wouldn't be there. Hello? They don't even know him. They come up and they say all these wonderful things about how much they're uh, they're thankful and how much they want to, first of all, thank God. And, and they make these videos with, with all these pop stars and actors who have died and lived in all manner of lifestyles and have rejected Christ and even those who claim to be atheists, but just because they've died. And you see, brothers and sisters, that's a problem because whenever we get to a funeral of an unsaved person, you know what the problem is? The problem becomes whenever someone like me has to try and find something nice not to offend the family or to hurt them over that person who rejected Christ all their life. It's the hardest thing to do. And then you're not doing them any favors if you don't tell them the truth of the gospel. They make these videos with men and women who are, have rejected Christ and they're all dressed in white and, you, you, uh, and they've, they've got big staircases down and St. Peter's standing at the gate and all the music's playing. I'll see you. Uh, and the, uh, 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 I can't remember the words of one of them years ago. He, he sang it. And, uh, and they're, they're, I'll see you in heaven and all this sort of stuff. It's nonsense. And you see the young people, see like my two young daughters and these young people here and all the wee babies and those young people there, they're listening to it. It's entrapping them and it's bringing them to hell. It's bringing them to hell. Perverts of the gospel. Preaching a Christless sermon Believing in a Christless gospel is as useless as trying to seal a rudderless ship without a sail. As useless as trying to drive an engineless car without a steering wheel. It's as useless as trying to push a chainless bicycle without the pedals or trying to fly a propellerless plane without wings. A gospel without Christ, a gospel without the cross, A gospel without the blood, a gospel without Calvary is an empty gospel. It's a false gospel. It's a perverted gospel. And you'll turn on and they'll tell you five ways to have a good day. Smile. Gee, this Bible says all I am and is what I can do and I can do what it says I can do. It also says you're a sinner, but they won't tell you that. It also says that Christ is the only way. It also says that there's wrath to come. It also says that, uh, that after we die, we will stand before God. We'll be in a judgment seat. It also says that it's only the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus that cleanses from our sin. But they never tell us that. They never say that. They never mention that. They are perverting the Word of God. You know why? Because they're making so much money. They're afraid of no bums on seats, no money in plate. A Christless gospel and a crossless gospel 
A bloodless gospel is not a gospel at all, brothers and sisters. If you're going continue to a meeting and there's no blood and there's no cross and it's not Christ-centered and you don't bring it into Christ every time, then I would say, don't go. It's a false gospel, an empty sermon. It's a directionless message without true hope. It's a non-starter. It's powerless, and it's an empty bag with holes. That's all it is. You'll come in the same way. You'll go out the same way you come in, and your soul will be no richer or better off than when you come in by the time you go out. And I want to tell you something. If, uh, whenever I see so many people going to church and thinking, well, I've done my bit for the day, and bless them, they're doing it, and they're, good, uh, they're meaning well, and they're, they're thinking that they've got great intentions of it, but good intentions lead you to the road of, to hell. Christ and Christ alone. Brothers and sisters, am I too strong tonight? Am I too strong? I know I swim against the stream. I know that. I know that I'm one of those guys who somebody might want to take out sometime. I know that. I know that. I'm aware of it. But I gave my life to the devil. I gave him everything I had. He took all my finances, my job, and left me in the street with a half a billion of clothes around my, under my arm. He left me for near dead with pneumonia for three months. I gave my life to every nightclub and shabina there is in the country. I gave my life where I was lying in a drug-fueled dens for days at a time. You couldn't even see with the thickness of the smoke in the place. And people were being taken out and shot out the back. That's where I came from. That's where Christ found me. That's where Christ found me. See, for me, it's Christ and Christ alone. My Presbyterian background, well, sort of. It didn't save me. But Jesus came into my life. He came into the pit. Yeah. David, you're now legit dancing there in the blood. The same wife that he went to slay 200 Philistines for. You're now legit dancing there covered in blood and a linen loincloth only, making a fool of yourself. Uh, preacher, you're an idiot. You're, you're an idiot. You're a fool. Listen to you. You get excited for Christ. Well, you know, if you were where I was, so would you. And if you have been where I've been, it's time to get excited. And if he's kept you from where I've been, then you should be even more excited. I've been there. Paul says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it any wonder in 1 Corinthians 1 and 23, he cried, we preach Christ crucified. I wonder how many churches tonight are preaching Christ at all. 
Who's heard of the Messy Church? Anybody? Messy Church, yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's called the Messy Church. We all get together and you all play about together around wee tables with the kids. And the minister comes in and says, now, here's a wee story. Off you go back home. God forgive them. God forgive them. Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Preach the word of Christ. Christ crucified. Christ first and Christ last. Christ at the center. Christ preeminent. Preach Christ buried. Died, buried, risen. Ascended, glorified and interceding. Christ coming again. Christ the head of the church. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Christ the lamb of God. The son of God and the son of man. Christ our sin bearer, Christ, our substitute, Christ, our Savior. And in a world of Christless men and women, among so many Christians with a Christless center, and hearing from pulpits and preachers so many Christless sermons, we must be as Paul, brothers and sisters, saying, we will make no first show of the flesh. We don't care what it will cost us. We don't care if it's dangerous to us. We don't care whether the police come rubbing on our door because we're not politically correct or not. We don't care if, if whoever wants to come and, and downgrade us and doesn't want us to preach anymore in their pulpit or doesn't want to, or Elon wants to throw me out. It's, as, it's like this, Christ and Christ crucified. I will glory in none other save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter whether it's this assembly or even Elam denomination, not I'm saying it the word, but if they move away from Christ, then we must move away from all men to take our stand for the Lord. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The so-called modern gospel has very little to no blood, no cross, no conviction of sin, no judgment to come. No wrath of God, no repentance for the sinner, no fear of God, no brokenness, no holiness of life, no sanctification of life, no separation from the world, no responsibility with the word of God, no self-sacrifice. That's all. You hear none of it now in most of these uh, modern day preachers. You hear none of it, but you'll hear plenty of prosperity and power and prestige and personal pleasure over the persevering in prayer, praise on the preaching of God's word. They are prophets for profit. They are prophets for profit, turning the anointing of God into cash. A fur show in the flesh is none other than a man elevating himself above the work of Christ. A woman elevating herself above the work of Christ. A fair show in the flesh is nothing but man's adding to the cross work of Christ. We can add nothing. What do we do in a world like this? I'm closing. What do we do in a world like this? What do we do when we see the world as it is, Britain as it is, Ireland as it is? What do we do?
Listen to Catherine Booth, General William Booth's wife. She says, if we are to better the future, we must disturb the present. And the liberal left-wing Christians say, don't disturb anybody. Don't disturb or annoy anybody. I feel like the Beatles' love, love, love is coming. It's the truth. Christ made a whip and whipped them out of the temple. Not very Christ-like. What would Jesus do? That's what he did. That's what he did. Catherine Booth says, if we are to better the future, we must disturb the present. Brothers and sisters, my prayer is that whatever I preach in my ministry that God has given to me, whatever happens, that we will disturb the present. That we will disturb the present in our nation, the present in our area where we live, the present in our societies, that we will disturb our families. That we will disturb, be a disturbance. Donna Clooney Elam, Lord, make Donna Clooney Elam a disturbance to this village. Oh, here, don't be saying that. The police will be at the door. Praise God. Where there was a, a revival, there was a riot. Did you know that? Everywhere through the book of Acts. If we are to better the future, we must disturb the present. See your children, my children. See all the little clips that I've given you as we've went along. See your children, these wee ones, the things they're doing, watching and seeing. So handy to them at their hands. And they'll be even worse as they grow up. They'll be quicker again. Do you see all those things? Your children, your grandchildren. If we don't disturb the present. Brother, listen, sister. If we don't disturb the present. If we don't take a stand in this day, if you don't disturb where you are and stop being afraid to speak about Christ and stop being afraid to tell the truth and take a stand in our land and in our nation, if we don't disturb the present, then our children will have no future. Our children will have no future. Paul says, I glory in the cross. Did you know those two words, they don't go together. They don't glory and cross. It's a torture instrument. It's an implement of pain. Glory on the cross. They don't go together. Do you know that in Roman, polite Roman society, they had a word, and they called it abore, felici suspendito. You know what it means? When somebody was being judged and they were really classed to be a real vile criminal, they took them out to a far point and says, hang them on a tree. That's what it means. Hang him on the unlucky tree. The unlucky tree. See, when Pilate said, we're going to have him crucified, he was numbered with the transgressors in Hebrew. In the Hebrews, remember? The Israelites had that in the law. He's numbered with the transgressors. It's mentioned again in the Psalms. It showed the disdain for the cross. Now, Paul says, now listen, brother, sister, because you'll go to work tomorrow. And I go to places. I 
And they may say some things that you're going to be offended at. And they may do some things and not listen to you. But listen, brothers and sisters, Paul, he knew that it says, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He knew in Roman polite society it means hang him on the unlucky tree. Unlucky for you, son. And when Pontius Pilate sent him away to be crucified at the cries of the Jewish rabble that day, he knew exactly what he was doing. The very disdain, the shame of the cross. And Paul comes out from that sort of a background, that that traditional Jewish background, and he sees this disdain, and he says, either I'm ashamed of the cross, or else I'm going to be ashamed of the world. And he looked at Christ and he says, but I see a beauty in it. I see a wonder in this cross. I see a wonderful attraction to me. God forbid that I should glory in all of this, saving the cross for our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, go out and glory in the cross. Go out and glory in the cross.